Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh. Hello and thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Goh. I'm just here by myself today. Uh, Peter Goh wasn't able to join us for this episode, but I'm really excited. Um, we're going to dive into Eric Lauer, what we can expect from him going forward, kind of similar to what we did with Adrian Hauser a couple of weeks ago. Can the Brewers count on Eric Lauer being a solid starter in 2021? Should we expect him to be anything more than just a depth arm? Um, I think there's a lot to unpack there, um, especially as we haven't really seen him a whole lot in a Brewers uniform. Uh, but beyond that, we're going to talk about the Brewers' promotion of Matt Arnold to the position of general manager under David Stearns, president of baseball operations. He will stay um, in his role there. And the Brewers protecting a few guys from the Rule 5 draft. We'll talk about that and uncover it a little bit more. And then talk about kind of just an interesting, fun subject on the Brewers' uniforms and logo. Um, have they done well in going back to the ball and glove logo? Is it too old style? Uh, did they make a mistake in ever veering off from the iconic logo that I think is um, maybe the best logo in the history of sports? Uh, so a lot to unpack today. We won't have a trivia question because, of course, I'm not going to answer my own trivia question. Uh, but reminder, if you listeners have any trivia questions for us, uh, be sure to submit them. We'll definitely consider having your trivia question on our podcast. Uh, so with that, let's get started. The first item that we'll be covering today is about Eric Lauer. We'll be taking a little bit of a deeper look at the Brewers' talented left-handed pitcher. He didn't really seem all that talented in the shortened 2020 season, but then again, he only threw 11 innings. Uh, so 13.09 ERA, almost two walks for every three strikeouts, not good there, and about one and a half home runs per nine innings. Again, not a good mark. Uh, a year to forget for him. But that does not mean that Lauer doesn't have a future with the Brewers. That doesn't mean that the Brewers uh, shouldn't count on Eric Lauer having a meaningful role come next year. So let's just start with a little bit of background on Eric Lauer. He was drafted in the first round by the Padres four years ago out of Kent State University. Um, he is a left-handed pitcher, pretty big, 6'3", 225 or so. He's only 25 years old, so keep in mind that he's uh, pretty young. He's actually... Um, about the same age as Devin Williams, who was a rookie this year, and uh, he may seem a little bit younger because he hadn't really gotten an opportunity before this year, but Eric Lauer has pitched a couple years in the big leagues already uh, with the San Diego Padres. The Brewers did acquire him alongside Luis Urias in exchange for both Zach Davies and Trent Grisham. That trade did not pan out for the Brewers in the short term. Uh, Davies and Grisham both went on to have I would say career years. Davies was excellent. Grisham was probably a top 10 or 15 player in the National League this year. Won a gold glove in center field also, which proved to be even more painful considering the opt-out of Lorenzo Cain for the campaign of 2020. Uh, but Eric Lauer and Luis Rios both come with a significant amount of upside, even though neither of them particularly impressed at the major league level this year. Urias got off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, partly because of contracting the COVID-19 virus, also rehabbing from a hand injury. So those limited him a little bit. Eric Lauer did not have the same difficulties, although he did deal with a little bit of a shoulder issue in the first rendition of spring training back in March. Uh, Lauer was healthy, though. Um, and he did crack the opening day roster, uh, but was not there for long. 
He only ended up appearing in four games, two starts, uh, 11 innings. I'm pretty sure he had one good outing against the Cubs. Um, and I actually would have liked to see them put Lauer on the playoff roster. They seemed like they carried some unnecessary guys like David Freitas um, or even even a guy like Jace Peterson. I wasn't necessarily in favor of them holding on the 40-man roster and on the postseason roster. But Eric Lauer, uh, they did elect not to put on the postseason roster. He also has been very good against the Dodgers over his career, which have been a predominantly left-handed hitting lineup. Think of Seager, Bellinger, Muncie, um, all left-handed hitters, and those are some of the best guys in their lineup. Uh, so I thought Eric Lauer would have been a, a solid option actually in that. Uh, but Lauer is a guy who does have a five-pitch repertoire, uh, four-seam fastball, cutter, curveball, slider, and changeup. Uh, he primarily utilizes a four-seam fastball uh, about 50% of the time, actually, uh, in 2019, which he did throw about a full season, was the Padres' opening day starter. Yes, he was a rebuilding club, but nonetheless, he was a, the opening day starter there, and it really did turn in a solid year. Uh, you look at his line from 2019, and he had a 4.45 ERA in 149 innings, 8.3 strikeouts per nine, right around average there for a starting pitcher. 3.07 walks per nine and 1.2 home runs per nine. He was more or less an average pitcher, which is very good considering he was a 24-year-old in his first full season in the big leagues. I thought there was a lot to build upon for Lauer. Uh, and of course, the league is going to figure you out a little bit more as you as you progress a little bit. Uh, but it's not like he was a rookie. He had already had 112 innings under his belt. Uh, the league did have time to adjust, and he was able to hold his own uh, in 2019. So that there's clearly uh, some talent that the Brewers saw in his arm where they were willing to pay a relatively steep price to acquire him. Also, one thing to note, Eric Lauer is controllable through the 2025 season. He's not even at arbitration yet. Uh, so we, we could see Lauer in a Brewers uniform for uh, maybe even five more years, um, given his uh, his upside as a starting pitcher and the Brewers' lack of starting pitching um, that kind of seems to haunt them at times, although it has been better over the last couple of years. Uh, but his four-seam fastball, looking back at his 2019 campaign, really was his best pitch. He limited opponents to a 244 batting average, 401 slugging, both marks that are below average, um, and that, that was a pitch that he used about half the time. His cutter was overall kind of a league average pitch, um, it, but his four-seam fastball paired really well with his curveball that he was able to have a decent amount of success on. He did get hit hard with his slider um, and his changeup, and those are his fourth and fifth best pitches. So he basically has, is a four-seam curveball and cutter guy, maybe throwing a little bit of slider and changeups there, uh, here and there. But Lauer will rely on the fastball that only sits around 91, 92 miles an hour. So it is a little bit surprising considering his relative lack of velocity. He doesn't have excellent spin on the fastball either. And what he does lack in uh, maybe his raw stuff is pretty good command. From what I can see the scouting reports from watching him, uh, he overall has pretty good command. Uh, and I think that those things bode well for him, even just looking at a guy who could be a, a, a serviceable back end of the rotation starter four or five take the ball every few days uh give the brewers maybe five five or more good innings uh, and that's that's really the guy that the brewers need lauer uh to be they don't need him to be an ace but they need him to maybe eat up about 150 innings a year uh, and that would be a, a pretty good return from the trade especially considering davies is a free agent after the 2021 season uh, so what went wrong with lauer this year uh, first of all it's a little bit hard to analyze he 
he only threw 11 innings. So you can't really take a whole lot from 11 innings, um, especially a pitcher who um, who has had success. And if you look at the bigger sample of 260 innings or so over the past, previous two years, uh, th that's a lot more um, to, to draw from than just the 11 innings that you might be looking at more if you were a rookie. It's possible he was tipping his pitches. I mean, a 13.09 ERA is, of course, as any baseball fan would know, um, quite unsightly. It's, it's not a good mark uh, for any pitcher. And you're not going to stay in the big leagues long if you're having a ERA around 13. And yeah, maybe that would have come down a little bit. Uh, but it's not like he was just having balls fall uh, all over the place. Uh, he, he wasn't really pitching well. Even just watching him, you could kind of tell. Uh, so... That, I think, is one possible explanation. Another explanation is uh, that he never fully recovered from like a shoulder impingement that he had uh, in March. And uh, that's something where maybe he didn't really have the injury like fully there. He could he could pitch through it, uh, but he never quite felt at 100%. And if you're not quite at 100%, it's a little bit hard to get outs at the major league level where you'll get punished for really any mistake that you have. Uh, and that... that could be an explanation. And another explanation is it's 11 innings. You can't really take anything from 11 innings. It was just a fluke. Um, and I think any of those are more viable explanations than Eric Lauer is actually now a bad pitcher. Um, I don't I don't think there's anything to be overly concerned about. The Brewers certainly will retain him going forward. Uh, but I think that those are all viable explanations uh, for Lauer's lack of success this year. Uh, so then what can we expect from Lauer going forward? Um, like I said, the Brewers need him to be a back end of the rotation starter, and I think that he can be and he will be exactly that. Um, he doesn't necessarily have overpowering stuff, uh, but he keeps the ball in the ballpark for the most part, um, and he's able to be a league average starting pitcher. Um, he's got kind of average stuff, decent command, um, and overall an average major league skill set that I think provides a decent amount of value. I mean, if you're looking at the state of the Brewers rotation, Woodruff and Burns are looking to be a pair of aces at the top of the rotation. Adrian Hauser and Josh Lindblom, at least as of now, are slotted behind them. I think that both of them are due for a little bit of an improvement going into the 2021 campaign. Um, I thought that Hauser did not look very sharp, uh, but I thought that there were some underlying reasons as to why we can expect a little bit more out of Hauser. And I thought that Lindblom actually kind of was victim of bad luck. He actually, to me, looked very good, especially after coming uh, back to the rotation from the bullpen and maybe going about four or five innings a game. Uh, I think that he could be a solid uh, three or four starting pitcher. And if you put Lauer back there, of course, the Brewers will need extra depth, especially coming off a year where pitchers only threw about 60, 70 innings at most. I think that there probably will be more injuries next year, unfortunately, even though teams will do the best to prevent those injuries. Uh, so I think that a, a reasonable um, expectation is that the Brewers really have these five as their main starting five, uh, but then do add a little bit more depth. Uh, we could see Brent Suter make a couple starts if they need him to, possibly Freddie Peralta, although I would not be in favor of that. I definitely think that Freddie is definitely more of a bullpen arm. Um, but I would like to see them bring in another arm as depth. I think there is reason for optimism regarding Eric Lauer uh, and what we could expect from him next year. I think that uh, 2020 was kind of a blip in the radar for Lauer and uh, 2021 he'll 
kind of return uh, to how he was previously, uh, like we saw when he was in San Diego. Although, of course, Brewer fans don't remember that um, since he was pitching for a different ball club. Uh, but I think Lauer is really the same pitcher that he was a couple of years ago. Moving on to a bit of news for the Brewers, Matt Arnold was promoted to general manager of the club. He had previously been assistant general manager uh, to David Stearns, who his official title was changed from president of baseball operations and general manager to exclusively president of baseball operations. Uh, this is a nice promotion for Arnold. Arnold joined the Brewers in 2015 alongside Stearns after being hired from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he had been with the Rays for quite a while, about 15 years. Uh, he had been previously working for the Reds and a little bit of time with the Rangers and Dodgers. Uh, from what it sounds like, uh, this is largely uh, a promotional move uh, from a, a title standpoint. It doesn't seem like Arnold's duties uh, from a day-to-day standpoint will change significantly uh, now that he has the general manager title. Uh, but at the same time, it uh, it is a nice promotion for Arnold, who now at age 40 has achieved the title of GM of a Major League Baseball team. He is the 10th general manager in Brewers history, of course, Stearns serving from 2015 until uh, just this past week when Arnold was named to the post. I don't think that this really changes uh, a lot of the structure of the front office, uh, but um, a little bit of news and also potentially helping the Brewers uh, able being able to retain Arnold as a member of the front office. They have had... Um, They've had to kind of stave him off from other teams. A lot of other teams have been seeking to interview Matt Arnold for their general manager openings. But the Brewers, of course, uh, have been able to keep him so far. And this is maybe one more step in trying to keep Matt Arnold around in, as part of the front office for the Brewers. In other news, the Brewers decided to protect three prospects from the Rule 5 draft. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, last week. Uh, Peyton Henry, I thought, was the biggest notable omission, a catcher, uh, and I would say a guy who uh, who could factor into the Brewers' futures, future plans behind the plate. Uh, but one catcher that probably has a little bit more upside than Henry is Mario Feliciano, an offensive first catcher who's made some significant strides defensively since he was drafted a few years ago as a high schooler out of Puerto Rico. Uh, Feliciano uh, was in double-A um, in 2019 and was a member of the Brewers 60-man player pool, uh, participated in Appleton as part of their alternate training site. Uh, but Feliciano is, I would say, a pretty promising um, bat and pretty promising player and could be potentially a future Brewers mainstay behind the plate. Right-handed pitchers Dylan File and Alec Bettinger were also protected from the Rule 5 draft. File was actually a 21st round pick out of Dixie State University in Utah a few years back. File's repertoire features a fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup. With the slider, probably is carrying pitch. He is a starting pitcher right now, but he could project to be more of a reliever going forward. And he actually was drafted out of a Division II school, like I mentioned, Dixie State University in Utah. Uh, it's The Brewers, I think, will give him every chance to be a starter and could be one of those guys who pro provide some valuable depth there. Uh, but we also could see him called up a little bit earlier as a relief pitcher. Alec Bettinger was drafted also in 2017, um, but out of the University of Virginia. Struggled a little bit early on um, in his minor league career, uh, but was up to the mid-90s uh, in 2019, the last we saw him. 
He's also, I would say, starting pitching depth. Could be a, a solid reliever. Uh, also has a four-pitch mix, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and some decent command. Um, I actually think that File probably has a little bit better upside. MLB Pipeline has them ranked similarly. Of course, we'll see uh, what they can do, but I think that they are both guys who could make a reasonable impact for the Brewers coming up in 2021. Uh, so that's just a little bit of news on the Brewers uh, over the past week. Matt Arnold promoted to general manager, as well as three prospects, Mario Feliciano, Dylan File, and Alec Bettinger, protected from the Rule 5 draft. So one random topic that we will have um, here at the end is just kind of looking at uh, the Brewers' logos, uniforms, colors. Uh, the Brewers have an article up on their website by Adam McKelvey uh, titled, Why Do the Brewers Wear Blue and Yellow? Um, and that's a question that I've, I've thought before. Um, and actually, if you kind of read into the Brewers' history, when Bud Selig brought the Brewers over from Seattle, he wanted the Brewers' colors to be navy and red. Navy and red had been the colors for the Milwaukee Brewers of the American Association uh, in the minor leagues for all those years, I think 1902 to 1952. They played over at Borchert Field in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Braves, of course, 1953 to 65, played at County Stadium, uh, and they wore navy and red. Uh, of course, the Atlanta Braves still wearing navy and red, similar look to what they had uh, in the 50s and 60s over here in Milwaukee. Um, but the Brewers wear blue and yellow. Uh, Steelig wanted navy and red, but was forced to go with navy and yellow because the move from Seattle as a Pilots to Milwaukee happened so quick that uh, they didn't really have time to change uniforms. They merely unstitched the pilots in their uniform and stitched Brewers, replaced the S with uh, a pretty basic M, and kept the same colors, which uh, was a, a royal blue and yellow. Uh, of course, the Brewers now wear navy and yellow, uh, but if you look throughout their history, uh, they did wear the royal blue and yellow look up until 1993. Uh, the ball and glove logo came in 1978. Uh, and was their primary until 1993, one of the most iconic logos in the history of sports. Uh, I don't really know why the Brewers moved off of it at any point in their past. Of course, they ditched the ball and glove logo for the awful green and cream M&B logo uh, that everybody would like to forget. Those only lasted six years uh, in Milwaukee, and I wasn't around for those years, but um, I can't imagine that people enjoyed watching that aesthetically. 2000 brought about the navy and gold wheat logo. We saw that being retired uh, actually just last year. Um, kind of the um, the cursive brewers font with the M with the wheat under it. And overall I'd say that it was an okay look, but uh, they really were missing out by skipping out on the ball and glove logo, um, which has been so closely associated with the Brewers, even while it has not been a primary or even secondary logo of the club. The Brewers did decide to bring that back this past year, and overall the results were very positive. Personally, I'm actually not a fan of the alterations they made to the logo. Uh, they are pretty small, like centering the baseball um, in the B. Uh, they changed the look of the seams. They connected the M and the B together. Um, the background of the stitching between the M and B uh, look a little bit different. I am a, a big logo and uniform geek. And so some of these minor things bother me. I really would have preferred that they stuck with the original ball and glove. I don't like um, how they made these small changes that, to me, I wouldn't say it ruins the logo, uh, but it does 
I would say detract from the overall look. Um, but their uniforms, I think, they were met with uh, outstanding approval. They have, for the home uniforms, they have the home cream with the uh, block Brewers font and the same Brewers font on a white with pinstripe uniforms, um, both with the ball and glove hat um, and all navy blue on the hat there. They also have the piping back on the pants. We uh, have not seen that in a few years. Um, they did have that and the piping looks a little bit different. For the road uniforms, uh, they do have the gray Milwaukee block font. Those are overall pretty basic, um, just kind of your standard road uniforms. And they also have a navy uniform uh, with the cursive Milwaukee font and then a navy with yellow hat with the ball and glove logo. I think that that one is a great look. That one seems to be the overall favorite among the fans. Um, we saw Brent Suter model it when they revealed uh, the team uniforms last year. I think that overall the Brewers uniform set is as good as it has been since the days um, of Yount and Molitor back in the early 80s um, with the original ball and glove. Uh, but one aspect of the uniform set that was noticeably absent was uh, the presence of a powder blue uniform. I'm a big fan of powder blue uniforms in the right setting, and I thought that the Brewers uh, would have been right to bring back the powder blue uniforms. It's possible we see them bring it back at some point going forward. We saw kind of an influx of powder blue uniforms, some good, some bad. Cardinals and Twins, excellent powder blue looks. Rangers and Blue Jays, not as much of a fan. Uh, but I, I would be in favor of the Brewers bringing back the powder blue uniforms. I think that the powder blue uh, with the navy and yellow accents uh, would really look look good. Um, and they could even make those a primary road uniform and ditch the gray if Major League Baseball would let them. I know Major League Baseball has not been in favor of teams not even having a gray road option. Uh, so we shall see what the Brewers decide to do with that. Uh, but I think overall Brewers have an excellent uniform set. Uh, it was met with uh, a great amount of uh, excitement from fans, and it's, I think really in baseball, uniforms matter more than in any other sport because baseball is so deeply grounded in tradition, so a team's look is really associated with the past. That's why we see so many retro uniforms across baseball. Brewers, of course, wearing their pinstripe uniforms, uh, the retros on Fridays um, between 2006 and 2019, and I'd like to see them do the same thing. Um, over the next uh, coming years as they keep this current uniform set. Um, but just kind of my input on how the Brewers uniforms look. Of course, a much different look than they had even just in 2019. But feel free uh, to voice your opinion on Twitter. Um, I'll have a poll out there saying, should the Brewers bring back the powder blue uniform? Go vote in that because I'm actually pretty curious about what your thoughts are um, on the uniforms. The last segment of today's podcast is the random player of the day, um, Charlie Moore. Not Maybe not so random, uh, but he had a, a fairly solid career with the Brewers, of course, a member of the 1982 team uh, that won the American League pennant. He was a fifth-round pick in 1971 out of minor high school in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Moore ended up having a pretty solid career, debuted in 73 at the age of 20 uh, with the Brewers, and was there all the way until 1986, so a 14-year career with the Brewers. 
Um, he wasn't necessarily a, an excellent player at any point, but at times he was a considerably above average performer. In 1981, he hit 301 with a 351 on base and a 410 slugging in 171 plate appearances. Was their everyday right fielder in 1982 after Ted Simmons had taken over the catching position, hit 254, um, and provided some solid defense. Uh, but Charlie Moore ended up accruing 10.3 wins above replacement, 10.5 uh, as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, and enough to earn a place as a a guy who I would say um, was not necessarily an excellent brewer, but will be remembered, was remembered by past generations as a solid contributor, 14 years in a brewer's uniform. Uh, that has to be in the top 10. I mean, his Brewer's career spanned as long as we've seen Ryan Braun's career. Charlie Moore's Brewer's career spanned as long as Ryan Braun's has up to this point. Uh, so Charlie Moore, solid Brewer player. Maybe not super random, but um, definitely a player to remember. Um, but that wraps up today's episode of the podcast. Thanks for bearing with me today. Um, just me today, so probably a little bit less interesting. Uh, but we were able to analyze Eric Lauer, talk about maybe what his future role could be with the ball club. Um, and then some Brewers news, Matt Arnold, of course, promoted to general manager. And a few protected from the Rule 5 draft talk about uh, the good and the bad um, in the Brewers past with the logos and uniforms being overall and kind of a, a central part of the franchise. And then, of course, today's random player. Also be on the lookout. Uh, Adrian Hauser article will be coming up. We talked about Hauser a couple weeks ago on the podcast, so um, I'll just have an article kind of breaking him down a little bit further. Um, and go to our, our Twitter account um, and vote in the poll on should the Brewers bring back uh, powder blue uniforms. They could even bring them back as potentially retro throwbacks for road uniforms. Uh, the Brewers, every Friday maybe, home Fridays, where the home pinstripe uniforms that were very popular in the early 80s, road on Fridays where they're on the road, um, where the powder blue uniforms as throwbacks. I think that's an interesting idea. We don't really have teams have retro throwbacks for the road, uh, but I think it'd be an interesting move for the Brewers to do. Uh, but make sure to go check out the poll on Twitter. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. Um, it's been fun, and uh, we'll hopefully have some more Brewers news coming up. Um, could be a slow week th with Thanksgiving, but you never know with Stearns. Uh, could pull off uh, maybe a couple moves. I don't really see him making a big move this early in the offseason, uh, but we could see him fill a couple holes already um, as early as uh, kind of middle to late November. Um, so thanks for joining us, and as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.